Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Hey, we're going to be talking about following God. Follow me is what we're going to be looking at over in Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. Matthew chapter 4, beginning with verse 12. Uh, We're going to be looking at the call of God to follow him in all of our life and to lead others to follow him as well. Now, it takes some kind of courage to really invest in people and say, follow me to Jesus. If you've ever tried to follow somebody before, you know it's not always an easy thing. One place you wouldn't want to follow somebody is the North youngest road in Bolivia. It is considered the most dangerous road in the world. 43 miles from La Paz to Carrizio. And this road has over one person die a day that's traveling upon the road. Got got another picture here of kind of what it's like as you go through there. So one person a day is literally killed on this road. So it takes some daring to follow somebody on that road. We're going to look at how we need to be daring when it comes to calling others to follow Jesus. So look at your Bibles. Take them out now. We're going to be over in Matthew chapter 4, beginning with verse 12. And the first thing we see is this. A world in darkness desperately needs the light of God. A world in darkness desperately needs the light of God. Let's look down to verse 12 of our scripture. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been put into prison, he returned to Galilee, leaving Nazareth, and went and lived in Capernaum, which is by the lake, in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. So what's going on here is pretty simple. John the Baptist, whose mission was to call people to be prepared for the coming of the Messiah. John's ministry is now waning. He's been arrested by Herod. He's been thrown into the dungeon. His ministry is now basically over. Now, as tragic as that is, it's a symbol that his ministry is over, but the ministry of the Messiah is now about to begin. And so John's ministry is waning. Jesus' ministry is now beginning. So Jesus goes from Nazareth, his hometown, about 60 miles away to the lake in Capernaum, a fishing village right on the Sea of Galilee. And so when he gets there, it reminds him of a prophecy that's found over in Isaiah chapter 9. And it says this in verse 15. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, that people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Now, this Isaiah 9 passage that Jesus quotes here, this is that wonderful counselor passage that we read at Christmas all the time. He's the wonderful counselor, prince of peace, mighty God, everlasting father. That's the passage that Jesus is reading here. That passage is about the coming of the Messiah. So Jesus is saying, okay, this is the beginning of the ministry of the Messiah. It's now started. But it's interesting what that passage of scripture says in verse 15. It says that it says that their message that is coming is for all people. It is for both Jew and Gentile. It's for the people in Zebulun and Naphtali, and it's for all of the Gentiles. So this message that Jesus is bringing is for everybody. It's for all of the world. It doesn't matter what country you live in. It doesn't matter what gender you are, how much money you have in the bank. Every person on this planet is being called by God to the message that is being given here because we're all children of God. We were all created by God. Jesus died for us. And this message is for everyone. 
And then he goes on and he says, the message is in particular for people living in darkness. For people living in darkness. And for people living in darkness, they are going to see a great light that will come through this Messiah. And so right here at the very beginning, the parameters have been set. And what we see is this. For the whole world, for every person, there is darkness, but there is a great light that is coming. Now, it's pretty easy today when you look around the world that we're a world that's in darkness. You look at all of the problems, all of the troubles that go on, not just in our country, but around the world. And it's a world that's almost literally out of control when you look at it. You know, in the city of Louisville itself, we've had over 100 murders this year. It's almost uh, incredible uh, for a city our size to have had 100 murders in just this calendar year. But then you look at Chicago, Illinois. Last week in Chicago, 18 people were murdered in Chicago and 72 were shot. And again, over 600 have been killed for this entire year. So the, the sanctity of life, the value of life is something that we don't have anymore. Not only that, Christians are being persecuted at an unbelievable rate in the world today uh, when you look at it. This year alone, over 7,000 people have lost their lives simply because they were Christians. In an average month, uh, 214 churches are burned or destroyed. And uh, 1,000 people uh, are facing uh, where they have either been abused, raped, lost their job simply because they're Christians. Christian persecution is increasing across the world. And then you look at values and morals. And the values and morals that we have today uh, are, are simply not what they used to be. As a matter of fact, more and more people, the majority, are now believing that truth is relative. 65% of people in the United States say truth is relative. 50% of Christians say truth is relative. Now, what's it mean when I say truth is relative? It means that there is nothing that is right in and of itself or true. Like it's, it's wrong to lie or to steal or to hurt someone. That it's always situational. It's whatever happens that you think is best. That's how you're to live your life. And so there aren't any absolute truths. You can't say honesty is good or, or, or anything like that. There's no absolute truth. 65% of the people in our nation believe that. That truth is always situational, whatever's best for you at the moment. That's what truth is. And so when you look at those kind of things, it's easy to see that we live in a world of darkness. And then you look at all of the other problems and all of the other troubles in the world. You don't have to convince someone very much that this is a world in darkness. So what's going to challenge the darkness that's in our world and that seems to be everywhere? I can tell you what's going to challenge it. What's going to do away with it? How about our presidential election? That'll do away with all of the darkness, right? Probably not. Because you see, it doesn't matter who you elect as president. It's probably not, will not do away with the darkness of the world. What if we pass some laws? Well, we don't like the darkness in the world, so we'll pass a law, no more darkness in the world. Will that take care of it? Probably not. I don't think that would take care of it as well. There is only one solution to the darkness that we have in the world, and the solution is right in our scripture passage. For the people living in darkness, they have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And so the hope for the world is Jesus. 
The only way that we're going to encounter and dispel the darkness is there. It's through Jesus. Now, we can do little things. Uh, for sure, you should vote for the presidential candidate you think is the best and will help. You should support laws that you think will make things better. But the only thing that will truly dispel darkness is going to be Jesus Christ. Because he comes at it from an entirely different perspective with eternal power, with God power against satanic power. And we will see a difference when the light of Jesus has dawned in the world. For a lot of you in this room, maybe for most of you in this room, that light at some point has dawned in your life. You've given yourself to Christ. You've followed him as Lord and Savior. You've gone from darkness into light in your life. You live by a different set of truths and values and things that you believe about the world because he has taken you from that darkness to light. And now our job is to take the light that has been given to us and to try to give that light to other people because they too are in darkness and they need to see the light that we have. So the first thing we see is that a world in darkness desperately needs the light of God. The second thing our scripture tells us is this. Your call to follow Jesus is also a call to become fishers of men. Your call to follow Jesus is also a call to become fishers of men. Look down to verse 18 of our scripture passage. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting nets into the lake because they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee and his brother, John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them and immediately they left their boat and their father and they followed him. Now, what's interesting here in our scripture passage is that for most of us, we would agree with the premise of, the, of what I said earlier. We would agree that this is a world of darkness. Okay, most of us would agree with that. Probably all of us would agree that we live in a world of darkness. The problem we have is that most of us then don't see that we have any problem with, with dealing with it. It's our responsibility to deal with the darkness of the world. How many of you came in here today and thought, it's a world of darkness. I'm supposed to be doing something about it. But that's the truth of the matter. But what we generally do is instead of thinking that it's our job to help dispel darkness, we try to just stay away from darkness. And so the church and Christianity has built this entire framework of trying to stay out of darkness, of trying to stay away from it. And so uh, on your job, you find other Christians and stay away from all the bad folk there or something like that, that, that are on your job site. In your neighborhood, you pick out the one or two people who may be Christians and, and you have a, a Bible study with them or something. And you stay away from all the other bad people. Even in your family, uh, at Christmas, you think, well... Uncle Henry's going to be there, and I don't want any of my kids around that old reprobate, but I guess we got to put up with him for an hour. I'll make sure that they're in another room when he's there or something like that, you know. So even at Christmas or something, you know, we want to stay away even from those people in our family or something like that. When what the Scripture is telling us is actually the exact opposite. Instead of Christians trying to wall themselves off from an evil world, come into the church, build big walls, and stay away from the badness out there, we were supposed to be encountering the darkness. We were supposed to be dispelling the darkness. We were supposed to be taking the light that God has given us into the world. Look one chapter over into chapter 5 of Matthew, down to verse 13. Chapter 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's not good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. 
You are the light of the world. A city hid on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and give it light so that everyone in the house can see. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Now, in this day and age, salt was used as a preservative mainly. Uh, think of country ham. You know, it was used to preserve something like that. Uh, it was also used as, as a seasoning, but mainly as a preservative. Light was used for light's used for today. You lit a candle so you could see in darkness. And what Jesus is saying is you are light, you are salt. You are the preservative of the world, and you are what is dispelled darkness in the world. Now, he makes it clear in this scripture passage that if you're not doing it, it doesn't get done. Hear that again. If you're not doing it, it doesn't get done. God's solution to dispelling darkness is for his people who are light to go into the world and to make a difference. And if we don't do it, it doesn't get done. And we don't have any prerogative. Look at verse 13 and then look at verse uh, 14. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. There's no thing in there like you should be the salt of the earth. Or maybe you're the light of the world. We're told very directly that is who we are. And we need to come to the basic fact that God has called us to be that very thing. Salt and light for our world. So you go back to chapter 4. And what we see is that Jesus calls two sets of brothers. Andrew and Peter. James and John. And his call to them is really interesting. Look back to uh, verse 19 again. To Andrew and his brother Peter he says, Come Follow me. Now, the phrasing here is interesting. When Jesus calls them, he doesn't say, come join the church. He doesn't say to them uh, something like, okay, start living better. He doesn't say, come believe all this right stuff. He doesn't say, come and get your morals straightened out so that you can have a better life. But what he says to them is, come follow me. And that's still the call we need to be giving people today. It's not about coming to the church. It's not about getting your life straightened out with better morals. It's not about following certain spiritual disciplines. It's not about believing the right things. It's about coming and following Jesus. And when you do that, all those other things begin to fall into place. Our call is to follow him. To follow him in all of our lives in a relationship. So that our lives are built around him, in him, and through him. We are following Jesus in all of our life. We're following him in our marriage. We're following him in our work. We're following him uh, in, in the things that we do and the things that we stand for. We're coming and we're following him. And it makes all the difference in the world. Now when you come and follow Jesus, there's an interesting side note that, that goes along with it. Look back again to verse 19. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. The two go hand in hand. You don't have one without the other. If you become a follower of Jesus, then you will become a fisher of men. You are salt. You are light. It's not an option. It's not like where you say, I can take this or not take it. You are called to be salt. You are called to be light. When you come follow Jesus, part of following him is that you then become a fisher of men. Now, this was something that would have stood out to this two sets of brothers here because they were fishermen. More than that, they were literally throwing their nets out into the sea when Jesus uh, came up and started talking to them. And he says, hey, don't fish for fish anymore. I'm going to make it where you now start fishing for people. 
So we need to understand that when we come to that place of following Jesus, that's when we also then become fishers of people, showing them the light of God in the world in which we live. And the world so needs that light of God. Think about this for a second. When it comes to being fishers of people, is there anyone in your family, your whole family, your extended family, is there anyone in your family that needs to be taken from darkness into light? Anyone in your entire family? If so, you might just want to jot their name down on a piece of paper and just start praying for them right now so that you can be an example and a witness to them. You don't walk up to somebody in darkness and start beating them with a Bible in the head or something like that and telling them they're bad people going to hell or something like that. They need to see that you're different, that your life is different, and then God's going to start preparing times where you can have conversations with, with them, where you can you can be drawn into to, uh, helping them when they have troubles in their life. They need to see something different about you. You need to begin to fish for them. How about with your friends? Do you have one friend that's living in darkness right now and needs to know Jesus? Do you? Then we need to be fishing for that person in the exact same way. Write their name down. Begin to pray for them on a daily basis that they go from the darkness into the light that you know in your life. What about at your job? Anybody have anybody they work with that thinks, yeah, that, that person's in darkness on the job? Maybe, maybe you might think, my, everybody at my job is in darkness or something like that. Who knows? Maybe instead of whining and complaining about how bad your job is, what you need to be doing is maybe God put me in the midst of this darkness because I'm supposed to be light in it. We are called to be fishers of people. Now I'm going to go over basically four things real quick. And this is going to take like one minute. Four things though. What's it mean to be fishers of people? How can I do that? Well, four things you need to do. Number one, you need to realize that you're called to fish for people. That's the first thing. It is not an option. You're called to do it. So that's the first thing. I am called to fish for people. Realize that. Believe that. Take that seriously. Number two, not only are you called to do it, you need to be aware of what's going on around you. Who are the people in your life that need to know Jesus, that need to have the darkness expelled? To pray for them intentionally, to find moments when they're hurting or seeking or they've come to you where you can bring in the story and the good news of what God has done in your life. So we need to be called, and we are, and we need to be aware of what's going on around us. Third, you need to be prepared. You need to be prepared. You need to be able to say, okay, I know what to say. I, I do know the plan of salvation. I do know uh, how to talk to somebody. We need to prepare ourselves with the basic information. And then finally, you have to have the daring to act. Daring to act. Now, that's a sermon in and of itself. I'll preach it some other time. Uh, but so called, aware, prepared, and act. Called, aware, prepared, and act. That's what we need in our life. So we are salt and we are earth. Look back at that Matthew 5 passage. Just wanted to point out one thing in verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Did you hear that? We're supposed to be reflective light. Now, coming up on November 14th, there's going to be a super moon. Woo, got a picture of what a super moon looks like right here. It is going to be 14 times bigger than the moon normally looks and 33% brighter than the moon normally looks. 
33% brighter. That's because on this day, the moon just generates all this light. That's a lot more, right? No, the moon doesn't have any light at all. It is a reflection of the sun when we see the moon. And what we were told here in verse 19 is very interesting. You're supposed to show the good deeds of God and they'll glorify him, not you. When people see that you're living the way that you're supposed to, when you're standing for the things you have, when you're loving and caring and making a difference in people's lives, then it's God that gets glorified. We are a reflective glory of God. So the first thing we see is that we're a world in darkness. We live in a world of darkness. The second thing we see is that we are called to make a difference in that world. We're to become fishers of people. And that brings us to the last thing that we see. This call to become fishers of men is to be lived out in your everyday life. The call to become fishers of men is to be lived out in your everyday life. Turn all the way over to John chapter 4. The gospel of John chapter, how about chapter 1? Anybody want chapter 1? Fine, we'll do John chapter 1 then. Turn over to John chapter 1. The call to become fishers of men is to be lived out in your everyday life. One of the most interesting statistics the Billy Graham Association has is that 78% of people who come to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, 78% are led by a family member or a friend. That means every single thing the church and parachurch groups do, revivals, visitation, books, movies, Every single thing the church does, spending multi-millions of dollars, all of this time, all of this effort, everything the church does leads 22% of people who are saved to Christ. The only way people come to Jesus Christ is when family and friend are light to them. It's the only way it happens. Almost 8 out of 10 people are only saved when they're talked to by a family member or a friend. It's the only way that happens. Now, over here in John chapter 1, we have the exact same story that we were looking at over in Matthew. But he's going to tell you a little bit something different than we saw all over in Matthew. So I think it's important. Look down, if you will, uh, to uh, uh, verse 39. Verse 39. Jesus said, Come, he said, and you will see. So they went and saw and he, where he was staying. He spent that day with them, and it was about the ninth, the tenth hour. Well, I really butchered that, didn't I? Just read along yourself, and it will help you more. Uh, verse 40. I'll try to get verse 40. Andrew, Simon's Peter brother, was one of the two who heard what God had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to go find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah that is the Christ. All right, as poorly as that was read, the point is this. When Andrew heard about Jesus, when he accepted the call to come and follow him, what was the very first thing he did? He went and found his brother, Simon, and told him about Jesus. The first thing he does is to go tell his brother. When it comes to following me, what we see is our family is one of the first places we need to go. P. 
People in your family, people who are in darkness there, they need to hear the word of God. As soon as Andrew accepted, he went and found his brother, Simon Peter. Look at verse 43. The very next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, were from the town of Bethesda. Philip found Nathaniel, his best friend, and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So what's the very first thing that Philip does after he begins to follow Jesus? He goes and finds his best friend Nathaniel and tells him, Come follow me. So we have one going to family, another going to friend, but both saw this. The call to become fishers of men was lived out in our everyday life. Do you know the reason we have to have evangelism programs and visitation on a Tuesday night? The reason we have to do all of those things is because we aren't doing what we were supposed to be doing. There would never need to be a Tuesday night visitation by the church if every member of the church took seriously the call that they were fishers of men. We'd never have to do it again. The fact that we have to do it shows that we are failing. It shows that people are not taking it seriously, that we have never accepted the call, that the call we have accepted is this. Yes, I want to be saved and go to heaven. Now leave me alone. Instead of, yes, I have received light and I want others in my life to receive the same light of God, that we have been called to be fishers of people and we are so needed. Let me give you some statistics about the city of Louisville. 1.24 million people live in the greater Louisville area. 53% of them are unaffiliated in even any way with a church or with with God. So it doesn't mean they don't believe in God. You know, you get the 80, 90% of people say they believe in God. But 53% are not affiliated in any way with anything that has to do with God or religion. That's 650,000 people. On an average Sunday morning... About 16% of the people in Jefferson County will go to church of any kind, of of any religion. About 16%. So, basically what you have is 8 out of 10 people in the city of Jefferson County have nothing to do with church in any way in an entire year. 8 out of 10. So, look at all of the churches in Louisville. We're talking about, what, 700, 800,000 people here. So what if you doubled Southeast Christian right now? We're going to take the, one of the largest churches in America. We're going to double it. And instead of there being 800,000 people who are lost, now there'll just be 780,000. Do you see the problem we've got there? This is something that is all around us. So if you say to yourself, well, you know what? I don't know any of my family or friends who aren't Christians then you need to expand your friendship a little bit right there. You need to realize that you are a fisher of men. Instead of just getting around people like us, we were supposed to be making a difference in the world as salt and light. You cannot preserve something that's going to rot if you're not involved in it. You can't be a light that drives out darkness if you're not involved in the darkness and go to the darkness. So we have to begin to make a difference in our lives, around us, each and every day. It doesn't happen anywhere, any other way. 78% of people led by family member or friend, your family members, your friends, your coworkers, they may never know about the light of Christ if you're not there and you're not active in their life and you are not intentional with them. 
We've just said eight out of ten people in this city basically have nothing to do with God or church at all. Eight out of ten. So you need to understand you're in this place to make a difference. You are called to be fishers of men. But it takes daring. It takes daring to step out of our comfort zone and to begin to live in a different way as the salt and light of Jesus in the world. I was reading an interesting story uh, in the paper this week. Uh, A a woman by the name of Tara Wood had taken her four-year-old daughter, Nora, to the grocery store. Probably a lot of you saw this story as well. It was uh, right before school, and they were going to buy some cupcakes for her to take to school for her birthday party that day. When they went there, there was a guy that kind of kind of down, looked a little bit sad. He was an older guy. And uh, so Nora said to her mom, I want to go say hi to that guy and tell him it's my birthday. So she goes over, grabs him on the sleeve and says, hey, it's my birthday. And the guy looks at her and smiles and says, well, well, happy birthday. Uh, how old are you, little girl? And she says, four, got a picture uh, right here. This is Nora Patterson and or Nora, Nora Wood and Dan Patterson. The mom put that on Facebook and said, we met a nice man in the grocery store. He wished my daughter a happy birthday. Immediately through one of her connections that went out through Facebook, somebody she didn't know contacted her and said, that's one of my best friends, Dan. His wife died about a year ago. I have not seen him smile in the last year. Your daughter just made him smile. Thank you for doing that. So Nora found out more about this man, called him up and went over to his house, spent two hours at lunch uh, with this man and with her daughter. Got a picture of them at lunch at his house uh, that's there. They're now getting together once a week uh, for lunch. And his friends say Dan has never been happier and never had more joy than when Nora comes and visits. Now, you hear that story and you say, well, what's that got to do with God in any way? What it has to do with was a little girl, four years old, that could see darkness when she walked through a grocery store. That could see a man who obviously wasn't happy and was hurting and wanted to do something to make a difference. And did the best that a four-year-old girl could do and changed a man's life. You need to understand that every day when you go out, you have to have your antenna up and your eyes open because there's going to be people who are hurting, people who are desperate, people who are in need, and they're going to be dressed nice and and, and be acting fine. And you've got to be aware, and then you've got to be willing to step in with love and care and grace. And when you do that and when you engage that, there will come a time That they're going to know what is the reason for your hope. And then you need to be ready to tell them. It's because of Jesus Christ. We are called to be fishers of men. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you that you have not just saved us, but Father, you've given us a great mission. And it's the mission of every person in this room. It's the mission, Lord, to look out into our own families and our own friends, and to make a difference. Father, help us to become fishers of people. In Jesus' name, amen. 
hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.